0: V.C.Y. America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. As always, we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on V.C.Y. America. Well, ladies and gentlemen, from the earliest months of the release of the COVID shots, promises were made that if you got the shot, you would not get COVID, period. Well, all of us know now that was not the case, but there were mandates given and considerable arm twisting to get the shot. And there have been a growing, a growing skepticism has taken place now toward government agencies uh, that one would normally be trusted by the public. Well, more time has okay, gone by and the more time that unfolds since the COVID shot was first administered just over three years ago now, there are more warnings and concerns regarding the shot and the lack of adequate and timely transparency on the part of pharmaceutical companies. Well, with some of the latest information on these and other vaccine-related news, we welcome back Barbara Lowe Fisher, president of the National Vaccine Information Center. They're a nonprofit charity that she co-founded with parents of DPT uh, vaccine-injured children in 1982. They're a national grassroots movement and public information campaign to institute vaccine safety reforms and... Informed consent protections in the public health system. She has researched and analyzed and publicly articulated the major issues involving the science, the policy, law, ethics, and politics of vaccination. Yes, there's a political side to it, and uh, one of the she is one of the world's leading non medical consumer advocacy experts on the subject. And Barbara, welcome back here to Crosstalk.
1: Well, thanks. I'm glad to be back. Uh, so much going on, as you mentioned in your opening. Uh, there's a lot of pushback now on yeah. these covid shots particularly the mRNA covid shots and one one thing that happened in at last month was that uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton sued Pfizer over its uh, mRNA covid shot uh contending that uh, the company misled the public by claiming that uh the shot uh, had a 95% efficacy rate against the SARS-CoV-2 virus and would end the COVID pandemic. And we all remember uh, the the president standing up and and Fauci standing up and all of these public health officials standing up and telling us that if we got that COVID shot, that we wouldn't get infected and we Mm -hmm. wouldn't transmit the infection to other people. And that turned out to be absolutely false. Even though they had actually, uh, we knew, those of us who were looking at what the FDA was coming out with, we knew that the FDA had only uh, required the companies, specifically Pfizer and Moderna, they were the two that got the emergency use authorization in December of 2020. They only required them to show that there was a reduction in the symptoms of COVID disease and that there would be less hospitalization, uh, and death, not not uh, actually prevention they didn't require fda did not require them to uh to prove uh uh that that they, you couldn't uh, get infected or transmit but that's not what the public were told right so this lawsuit in texas in in a, in a in a state court in texas uh is seeking 10 million in fines uh for pfizer committing false unsupported and misleading acts practices and claims willfully uh, unlawfully misrepresenting the effectiveness of that COVID-19 vaccine.
0: Well, isn't $10 million really a drop in the bucket as to what they made uh, through the, the, the COVID oh, shot?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think a $100 million oh, in the obscene amount of money uh, that Pfizer made. Uh, but uh, the, it's interesting. They also, in this lawsuit, uh, are, are charging the, that the company attempted to censor public discussion about the product, about the risks and the uh, failures of the product. And that, of course, is a big story in this whole last three years has been the censorship uh, of the public conversations about this product, this mRNA vaccine, and also uh, the, the policies that have been associated, the response policies by government, the lockdowns and the social distancing and the masking, et cetera, uh we just were muzzled in this country and in fact i uh, in, on november 1st i uh, issued a, a statement a special report and submitted it to the us judiciary uh subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government where i talked about the censorship that has been applied to me personally as well as the national vaccine information center calling it a violation of freedom of thought, speech, and conscience. And I anchored the report with more than 400 references, but I I went over exactly what had been done to our charity when we attempted to inform the public about the truth uh, about uh, this product, these mRNA vaccines, and were punished for it by being taken off of all four major social media platforms in 2021.
0: And and really, that, that punishment, that censorship, really continues. I mean, there's a lot of, of of voices that are out there trying to give warning on these things, and and next thing you know, they're getting a warning, you know, and their content is being pulled.
1: Well, that's right. And what what when I did this three month investigation last fall, I kind of sequestered myself, and I looked at. I wanted to understand exactly what had happened. How had we We've been around since 1982. Mm-hmm. I've sat on government vaccine advisory committees for more than 20 years. You know, I came to the table with the vaccine stakeholders. I, I, I told them what the kind of research they needed to do in order to save their program, yeah, yeah. and they blew me off. And, and I wanted to find out who it was that actually censored my voice and NVIC's voice so much that we were taken off of Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. All my commentaries were taken off uh, of YouTube uh, and Twitter. And uh, I found, to my shock, I didn't realize to the extent it went, in in terms of the agencies, the federal agencies that were involved in this censorship campaign that that they instituted, Really, starting really, I would say in in, in right after those vaccines were were uh, approved in terms of an emergency use authorization in December of 2020, uh, we're talking Department of Defense, the Department of Homeland Security, the CIA, the FBI. Uh, you know, we're, it wasn't just the Department of Health and Human Services and foreign political operatives like Imran mm. Ahmed. Uh, who founded the British uh, Center for Countering Digital Hate but opened an office here in Washington, D.C. early in the pandemic. I mean, uh, these this was a concerted effort that also involved the government's uh, of the world and you the know, World Health Organization and the United Nations.
0: Well, the, the, and that really begs the question, because as you pointed out, you've been doing this since 1982. I mean, for four decades now, over four decades, you have been uh, doing, uh, having this grassroots movement, a public information campaign uh, about vaccine safety and reform, informed consent, all these things. What is it that all changed with the COVID shot? What is it about this, the COVID shot that made it such a sacred cow?
1: Well, Actually, when I went back and did the research, I realized that there was there were indications far before twenty twenty, going actually back to 19, in the late nineteen nineties. You know, they started to go after me and MVIC because we had a voice. I had done a lot of television in the eighties and nineties, and they realized that that this was a growing movement. This rat, vaccine risk awareness movement was growing, and so they started to use terms like anti vaxxers Okay, they, the first thing you do when you in propaganda is you have to label people, in order to dehumanize them and delegitimize de-legit, them. And so I saw that, I went back into the medical literature, and I realized that that really started back in the late '90s. This labeling, vilifying criticizing anyone who criticized vaccine safety and effectiveness and then it it got really bad after 911 after 911 it was that was the, the, September 11 2001 was a an incredible event that had ramifications in the public health uh, infrastructure as well because there were a series uh pieces of federal legislation that were enacted after 9 one including the Homeland Security Act uh, and uh, uh, BioShield legislation, where within a week of nine eleven, one the HHS called for – they said that there were weapons of mass destruction. DOD and HHS said there were ma- weapons of mass destruction, weaponized uh, smallpox and anthrax uh, weapons. And that we, one of the first things they wanted to do was dilute all the stockpiles of the old smallpox vaccine that had been in warehouses for decades and make enough for everybody in the country to get a dose of, of smallpox vaccine. And then they talked about giving all the civilians anthrax vaccine. And then they dragged out a piece, uh, a Mild State Health Emergency Powers Act legislation that they had asked uh, a professor, uh, Lawrence Gosson. At Georgetown uh, Law uh, years before 9 one to create the rewriting of public health laws in the country at the state level because vaccine laws are state laws. And within a week or 10 days of 911, they dragged that piece of mild state legislation out and they tried to go state by state to basically rewrite public health laws so that whenever the government declared a public health emergency, you would have this incredibly Uh, increased power that was allowed by the governors and by the public health officials at the state level to basically quarantine people uh, to do some of the things that we actually saw done uh, with the declaration of the COVID pandemic. So in the the 21st century, really, and I detail this in this report, it's an 80-page report, which you can get on mvic.org. Uh, I really go over this history of these different pieces of legislation after 9 one that set us up for what happened during the COVID, uh, yeah. uh, after the declaration of a COVID pandemic. So there has been a building of this sort of demonization of anyone who criticizes vaccination uh, safety or effectiveness or necessity, uh, it, it, especially in the 24th century after nine
0: eleven. one one Wow. Wow. So- and
1: it, it, it's a fascinating story; it really is. Uh, and I was—I guess—I was very shocked to realize how high it went. Uh, that that these all of these agencies, uh, especially intelligence agencies, were involved in the censorship campaign that rolled out. And NVIC is still blocked from Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, but when Elon Musk came in and purchased. Uh, Twitter and rebranded it as X. On February 23rd of 2023, I think that was it. it was in February 2023. Uh, we were put back up on on X, so we we are on one of the major social media platforms. Uh-huh. But the rest
2: were awful.
0: And so, friends, what you've heard from Barbara here, I mean, it was incrementally how it started out yeah. and, and got us to this very point. And, and sometimes, you know, these, these new laws and things are enacted. Oh, no, no, we'll never do that. Never do that. We're just going to do this little bit here. But as mm-hmm. time goes on, one builds upon another to get us to mm-hmm. the point where we are today. And that's what we're seeing unfold. We are going to take a quick break. Barbara Lowe Fisher is our guest here today on Crosstalk. We're talking about COVID shots and vaccination safety concerns. Uh, we're going to also be taking a look as uh, what is coming out from Florida's Surgeon General as well as it relates to the COVID shot. And uh, we've got numerous topics here that we'll uh, be bringing up on the program. We trust you'll stay tuned. You're listening to Crosstalk coming your way from the VCY American Network.
3: Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, are animals more and more intelligent as they march up the evolutionary tree?
2: Chris, let's get this straight. Evolution did not happen. There is no valid evolutionary tree. There are no higher animals. It stands to reason in evolution that the apes would be the most intelligent of the animals, only bested by mankind. While it is true that apes have a larger brain than do, say, toads, there are a lot of animals thought to be lower on the evolutionary tree which are quite intelligent. A number of insects can do things that would astound you. Now even a fish has been discovered that can use tools in digging its burrow. Chris, there is no hierarchy of the animals leading to man. Each of the animals were created separately after their kind, each with unique abilities. Chris, it makes so much sense when you go back to Genesis for your starting point. You can find us on the web at www.icr.org.
0: You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. With us today, Barbara Lowe Fisher, the president of the National Vaccine Information Center. Uh, She set her website really fast in that first segment, so in case you missed it, friends, it's nvic.org stands for National Vaccine Information Center nvic.org they also have a portal that uh, is I- involved in alerting you to legislative efforts on a national or state by state level uh, and uh, and keeps you informed on those issues it's called nvicadvocacy.org barbara there was a canadian study that found billions to hundreds of billions of dna mo- molecules Per dose of the COVID-19 mRNA shot, Uh, these reportedly exceeded guidelines set forth by the FDA, even the even the guidelines of the World Health Organization. And this raised the concern of Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo, who is now warning. He is warning the public against any use of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 mRNA vaccines, citing cancer concerns. Comment on this, if you would.
1: Right. Well, the Florida Surgeon General, uh, Joseph Latipo, wrote a letter to the Commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, Robert Kellis, and asked uh, him to uh, answer questions about the alleged DNA contamination in Pfizer and Moderna's mRNA COVID shots. And he did that in December, and he was not satisfied with the the answers he received – and so he followed up his letter with a call on January 3rd to the public for people to stop getting the mRNA COVID shots. Mm-hmm. And his concern was based on, uh, partly in part, this study. Uh, he charged that the drug companies, uh, have Moderna and Pfizer, have not evaluated the risk of human genome integration of residual DNA contaminants from the mRNA COVID vaccines, and questioning whether or not this residual DNA can integrate itself into the genome and potentially cause cancer uh, later in life. Uh, You know, I think we've talked before about the fact that these COVID vaccines, mRNA COVID vaccines, use lipid nanoparticles as a delivery system for the spike protein, the, the, this, these lipid nanoparticles have never been used in vaccines before, and uh, they facilitate the biodistribution of the ingredients of the shot in the body. They don't just stay at the at the local injection site. They, you know, this is this goes throughout your body, into the cells of your body, and uh, so he was not happy with the explanation he got. This involves. Uh, starter material that has potentially SV40 uh proteins in in these DNA in these vaccines. Um uh, SV40 is uh simian virus 40 uh was uh, something that I remember talking about decades ago when the, when when we realized that SV40 simian virus 40 had contaminated the early polio vaccines which I got and most baby boomers got. Mm-hmm. Uh, SV40 was a contaminant in the Salk vaccine, the inactivated vaccine, uh, as well as the Sabin oral polio vaccine, but it's most noted for the Salk vaccine, which was used first and distributed widely to children. And SV40 was found to cause cancer in hamsters and other lab animals, and there's been this big fight Uh, particularly in the 90s, about whether or not this SV40 that contaminated polio vaccines has caused brain, bone, and lung cancers in the baby boomers. Um, And so, you know, the the government says, oh, no, it didn't cause cancer. But independent researchers around the world have said, oh, yes, that SV40 did cause cancer. Hmm. So the whole question of whether or not the COVID, mRNA COVID vaccines, uh, are contaminated with S 40 dna is a very uh... illegitimate question and uh... the fda officials are are, are protesting that there's, you know even if there are small dna fragments present that they can't get into these cells the nucleus of these of your cells uh... that that there's absolutely no evidence that s 40 contamination of these vaccines could cause any problem uh... Uh, Dr. Latipo disagrees and felt that it was enough of a, a concern that the, the use of the shot should be suspended. Uh, that's obviously a very controversial uh, call, uh, but uh, there are other scientists who are are also raising concerns about this mm-hmm. potential contamination. What I find interesting, because I used to, for four years I sat on the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee um, and uh, as a consumer member, and uh, this is back uh, uh, eighty eight to ninety two, and uh, I remember us talking about adventitious agent contamination of vaccines. It's always been a problem, and there's, it, it, and I think it was twenty eleven, uh, between twenty nine and twenty eleven, there was a issue with the contamination of rotavirus vaccines, an oral vaccine given to infants contaminated with uh, pig virus DNA. And if you go and look at the excipient and ingredients list that is put out by the FDA, you find out that there are allowable levels of adventitious agent contamination of DNA in vaccines, hmm. DNA from the the products that are used to make the vaccines. So, you know, there's, there is a question, you know, how much do they really know? Yeah. Do they really understand about well, what some of these ingredients are doing in the body, well, and well, whether or not they have the potential to cause uh, health problems like cancer later in life? I it, think I think there's been a lot of assumption of safety rather than proving of safety.
0: Yeah, and and that's and
1: I, I think it's a legit it's legitimate for people to question and ask for the standards at the FDA for proof of safety and effectiveness
0: to be raised. And uh, Barbara, as you know, I mean, the the FDA has been delaying this release, these documents it relied upon for licensing, like Pfizer's COVID-19 shot for ages 16 and up. Why did it take more than 800 days to release after this agency approved the shot that this was, you know, they use the term safe and effective. You just mentioned that as well. 800 days really for us to get this information?
1: Well, I mean, there are clear, clearly there have been a lot of articles written. Epoch Times has done an amazing work uh, uh, looking at the history of what did the FDA know, when did they know it, and the CDC. Mm-hmm. What, what did they know, and when did they know it? And clearly after Moderna and Pfizer were given the emergency use authorization to distribute, uh, first time we've ever had mass distribution of a vaccine under emergency use authorization, and by the way that that designation was part of the post nine one one legislation. This legislation that put all the emphasis on fast tracking vaccines to market, but not a whole lot of emphasis on proof of safety and effectiveness right yeah. mm-hmm. um, so you know there there had been indications that these vaccines were causing things like myocarditis, heart inflammation. Uh, neurological problems etc but because there was this censorship of public discussion about it and anybody who raised concerns was called called a conspiracy theorist right, right. or uh a, 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 you know transmitting misinformation and disinformation when most people were simply asking questions and asking for proof uh there has been this uh I would call it a cover-up of what actually the risks are associated with these vaccines. And I don't know why the censorship continues, why people are not allowed to speak freely and ask questions, but it's very dangerous Mm -hmm. because those regulatory agencies, the FDA and policymaking agencies, CDC, need to have very high standards, not lowering of the standards. But a raising of the standard.
0: Yeah. And, and in all of this, too, we know the media has been a major player. And you've pointed out that the media has actually been paid, was paid uh, to promote the COVID shot.
1: Yes. Uh, the media, absolutely. When I did my investigation, you know, I found this collaboration uh, between big tech, the government, uh, corporate media – Uh, and uh, academia, this is something that I really was surprised to see, the extent to which major universities in this country and major think tanks, which are funded by both government and pharma, uh, participated in the censorship campaign. It was a real eye-opener. Now I, I knew that there were professors of, of medicine and immunology professors like Paul Offit at, at Philadelphia Children's Hospital uh, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia uh, University of Pennsylvania and and others uh, Hotez down uh, Peter Hotez down in Texas I knew that there were major physicians who had always led the attack on parents of vaccine-injured children speaking up about what had happened to their children mm-hmm. and asking for safety reforms in the mass vaccination system. But I didn't realize to the extent that these universities had been involved in, in really serious censorship campaign uh, In tr- with response to this epidemic, this pandemic. They really uh, played a huge role. Yeah in trying to shut down the public conversation mm-hmm. about this vaccine, the origins of this vaccine. I mean, one of the things that's happened happened recently is new documents coming out uh, that show that this was a man-made virus, that this SARS-CoV-2 was uh, created um, in a biohazard lab in Wuhan, China, and it was created with funding from the U.S. Uh, you know, institutions. It was, um, it's, it's, we really need to understand what happened here because for the future, if we have got scientists creating genetically engineering viruses and bacteria to be lethal, uh, i don't care whether they're doing it simply out of curiosity or they're doing it because they're creating bioweapons there there needs to be oversight on the scientists and these physicians who are doing this work clearly there was not proper oversight on this research and it looks as if this mutated virus that they created in this in this lab with fda uh, rather with uh, us funding uh got out and caused a pandemic that a lot of people who got that SARS-CoV-2 infection are suffering with long COVID symptoms, immune and brain system dysfunction. And there, there doesn't appear to be anything they've got so far to try to help these people. And then we, on top of that, we have people who have been injured by the COVID vaccine made from the spike protein of this mutated virus, wow. man-made mutated virus. It is a complete disaster. And so, you know, when you have somebody, that, like Dr. Latipo, raising a legitimate question, mm-hmm. saying, you know, we have to get to the bottom of whether or not we have got uh, 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 Aberrantitious aging contamination that could cause cancer in the future, and he's labeled as an anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist, yeah. and he shouldn't be—that he, he should be shut down and not be able to speak.
0: We got something wrong. I—I
1: I, I, I really <laughs> uh, identify with this this idea, you know, because I've been subjected to the same kind of censorship.
0: And we're up against a break. Back in one minute. This is Crosstalk.
3: Crosstalk, as we know it, began airing in
4: 1987. Good afternoon to you. Mike Lyson here. We are going to be talking today with...
3: It comes your way from the VCY America Network out of Milwaukee. Did you ever wonder what the letters VCY stand for? Ever pondered what's behind the ministry that presents Crosstalk every day? We're pleased to share with you a free copy of the magazine formatted book, God's Continuing Miracle, The VCY Story. This book of over 200 pages presents nearly 500 photographs, interviews, historic newspaper articles, and writings about the VCY America ministry now over 60 years old. The magazine will also inform you about VCY rallies, the birthday club ministry, the VCY bookstore, and so much more. It is a testimony to God's faithfulness. To receive a free copy of God's Continuing Miracle, the VCY story, call 1-800-729-9829.
0: Unbelievable, folks. I mean, the guests we've had today in her organization been around since 1982. And misinformation, disinformation, uh, uh, misinforming the public on these things and, and really a campaign has been launched to keep them silent. And uh, we are seeing the effects that are taking place. Uh, there's been a shutdown of so much information on this unless it meets the narrative. It meets, me- meets the narrative of today. Uh, there's been one on Capitol Hill in particular who has been really at the forefront of not allowing this issue to die, that Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and he has held these these uh, meetings and town hall type or events where, or panel discussions, I should say, where he has brought in medical doctors, vaccine injured, and injured individuals and and had them share their stories. He's asking questions. He's wanting to get to the bottom of this. And just a few weeks back, Barbara, he brought out analysis of the vaccine adverse event reporting system that the COVID nineteen vaccines are significantly more deadly than the flu vaccine and has been pushing for internal studies, documents surrounding the COVID nineteen vaccines development and their safety has been pushing for this. And and what do we have happening out in the market today? All these commercial spots about getting your COVID shot and your flu shot, you know, and you know, together. Uh, Your response to uh, Senator Johnson here, the flu vaccine report that's come out and and this combined shot that's being promoted?
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, there is no there's no long term studies. There are no even short term studies that I know of that shows, uh, proves that if you get the flu shot and the the current COVID shot, and they also want you to get, if you're older, uh, the RSV shot, the new RSV shot. If you're a baby, uh, the monoclonal antibody RSV. In other words, they're pushing simultaneous administration of vaccines Mm -hmm. uh, without having a evidence base that this is safe, effective uh, in different age groups. Uh, And, you know, the flu vaccine has been around for a long time, but it has been notorious for being ineffective. In more than, I think in the last uh, 15 years, it's had a less than 50% uh, efficacy in terms of preventing influenza. It's a, it's a vaccine that is it doesn't work very well, and it, it, it is the leading vaccine in the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program now for uh, uh, harm. Uh, so they're asking people to get a COVID shot, which has got... Definitely, VAERS has shown over 1.5 million adverse events, not just the tip of the iceberg because less than 1% potentially of those vaccine reactions are ever reported to VAERS. The COVID shot has the, 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 the greatest number of adverse events ever reported for any vaccine since that, that, that Vaccine Average Event Reporting System became operational in 1990. And that their system was a safety provision that we, my organization, uh, got in, in, in inserted into the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act. And if you want to look, if you want to learn more about the Vaccine Injury Act, the, the 1986 Act, I just did a big interview with Del Bigtree on Highwire, and uh, it was, it's an over-two-hour interview that talks about the history of the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act and how we were betrayed and how that law was gutted after it was passed so that now nobody can sue a vaccine company for vaccine injury or death or uh, sue negligent physicians for medical malpractice. That was all done after that act was passed. That act did not protect the industry or doctors from uh, vaccine injury lawsuits when it was passed in 1986, but afterwards it was gutted. And if you want to learn more about how that all happened, it's a really it's a really eye-opening interview.
0: Friends, uh, you can find out more on our guest, NVIC.org, and so many topics, NVIC.org, and again, a legislative portal to Keep you abreast of legislation that's been introduced in states across the United States uh, as it relates to vaccines, vaccine injuries, etc. Our phone number today to Crosstalk, if you have a question you'd like to ask of our guest today or a brief comment, our number is 1-800-733-9829. That's 1-800-733-9829. And uh, Barbara has been uh, long before the COVID shot came about. Uh, for decades, have been raising concerns regarding the childhood vaccination schedule. Time's not going to permit us to go down that road very far here. But but uh, keep in mind that that this is uh, you'll find many many articles on their site pertaining to this. Uh, one item I want to point out too here, Barbara, before the the we take our first call, and that is the Gates Foundation has been pushing this needle-free technology for administering vaccines. Uh, dissolvable micro needles attached. The skin on a patch like surface. Uh, any concerns with this?
1: Yeah, it, this is something that's been in the works for a while, and the Gates Foundation has been leading funder of this needle free uh, technology. NIH has also been involved, uh, as ha- has the Department of Defense and other uh, companies that want to have uh, these mic- dissolvable micro needles. That are on a patch that are slapped on your skin, you know, um, and the thing is that what that does is it it they're trying to take away the quote pain factor or fear factor of being injected with a vaccine. The problem with that potentially is that people are not going to understand that you're still delivering into the body uh the same ingredients. That are in the needle that is injected into you, they're trying to make it how would you say um, less of a medical procedure mm-hmm. as if it's just like drinking a glass of water or you know uh eating an apple or whatever um, and you know i I hope that they're going to do the proper studies, but I yeah. doubt that they will. Yeah in terms of how safe and effective this is.
0: Our lines are packed here. Let's begin with Ellen in Richland, Washington. Ellen, you're on the air.
1: Hi, Barbara. I heard you say that there have been no successful cures for long-haul COVID. And I wonder if you've heard of a retired chiropractor named Brian Artis, and he has been talking for over a year about how there is synthesized snake venom protein peptides in the disease and in the shots, and he says the cure for that is nicotine because it binds to ACE receptors in the brain, and smokers have a very low death rate or even illness from COVID. And I wondered if you've heard of Dr. Artis talk about the snake um, venom connection.
0: Okay, will have her talk about that and respond to that, but there's also I have. something else about
1: I actually have lung disease, too that there is some uh, connection between nicotine and uh, as a protector, protective act. Now, smoking is obviously not good for you, right? Mm-hmm. But there are uh, scientists who are working on things like, uh, I think, nicotine foot baths, et cetera. So I, it's, it's in its infancy, that exploration, but I have heard of it. Yes.
0: Great. Thank you, Ellen. Tony in Nealsville, Wisconsin, you're on the air.
2: Oh ma'am, I just wanted to tell you that uh I've been I've been getting my flu shots for several years and I haven't been sick and had a cold or a flu in nearly ten years. Mm-hmm. Ten years, but I realize when you get that influenza vaccine, it takes two weeks for it to go through your system. So you gotta keep your hands washed and not touch your your face. And as far as that COVID vaccine is concerned, I, like Tucker Carlson, have never taken any of them. And I've never worn a a face covering. I never social Mm -hmm. distance. uh, And I shook
0: hands with people. And I haven't been sick. Okay. Thank you, Tony.
1: Well, you know, the thing is that we're all individuals. We're all different. Mm -hmm. We're all born with different genes, with different epigenetic histories with different microbiomes living in different environments, subjected to different toxins in environments, We don't all respond the same way to vaccines, or we don't all respond the same way to infectious diseases. There are people who have had who have, have never had a bout with COVID. They seem to be naturally resistant to it. Uh, there are others who have had uh, an infection with SARS-CoV-2 uh, three, four, or five times. So we're all different, and that's something that I have been talking about for years, that there are some people who are more vulnerable for different reasons to having a bad course with vaccination. And to me, the tragedy, one of the tragedies of this story is that the the government and the companies have not done the research into finding out who the high-risk people are. They take a one-size-fits-all approach, a utilitarian, Machiavellian approach, uh, and that the, some people can be sacrificed for the rest. Yeah. And My uh, son was very vulnerable to the DPT vaccine. His hmm. friend that lived across the street was not. Yeah. My son had to be in a self-contained special education classroom. Throughout his school education, the other child went to a gifted program, hmm. and he got the vaccine too. So we, you know, we have to recognize individuality.
0: It's important. And, and even as we look at various uh, the online reporting system, which you said, is only just a, a fraction of what are out there. I mean, over over uh, uh, 5,000 miscarriages, over 21,000 heart attacks, uh, to over 27,000 myocarditis and pericarditis. So it does impact individuals differently. Thank you, Tony, for the call. Uh, we have Annette calling from Albuquerque, New Mexico. You're on the air.
1: Uh, Yes, I would like to know. uh, I just got the shingles vaccine. Is is that anything to worry about? Well, I mean, like, again, as I said before, we're all individuals. You may have absolutely no problem with the shingles vaccine. There are other people who have had uh, severe reactions to the shingles vaccine. The thing about it's interesting about the shingles vaccine is that the varicella zoster virus that causes chickenpox, which we all used to get as children. By the age of six, most kids in, in in generations past had had a bout with chickenpox. And then as they went through life, they would be re-exposed to the chickenpox through children who had it, and their, their immunity would be boosted asymptomatically. So they wouldn't get another bout with chickenpox. They would be asymptomatically boosted. Well, once we started to use the chickenpox vaccine, which was licensed in 1995, and took away the naturally acquired immunity, what we had was people susceptible to reactivation of this varicella zoster virus in their body, and it would take the form of shingles. So now the same company, Merck, that developed the the varicella zoster chickenpox vaccine that all the children get is also the manufacturer of the shingles vaccine.
0: Hmm. Wow
1: to try to prevent cases of shingles because we have we have a lot of shingles now because we don't have the natural circulation of of the varicella zoster virus we have the artificially acquired immunity uh, with the chickenpox vaccine
0: well thank you Annette Thank you. Appreciate your call. We're just 30 seconds before the break, so uh, let's take the break, and we'll come back to more of your phone calls. Uh, Brad, you stand on the line. You'll be next. And Leonard, our number to crosstalk, 800-733-9829. Barbara Lowe Fisher is our guest today. She is president of the National Vaccine Information Center. A lot of information they have available on their website, which is nvic.org. Again, that's nvic.org. And uh, folks, it's it's really about education. That's what they're about is informing you, and and uh, certainly put in uh, these uh, informed consent protections in the public health system. And uh, so, therefore, they monitor legislation as well, which you'll find at nvicadvocacy.org. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back to more of your phone calls. You're listening to Crosstalk on the VCY American Network.
4: For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. You know the Bible verse, a prophet has no honor in his own land? Well, apparently, this happened in Israel, where a former high-ranking general by the last name of Brick was giving a warning in early 2023. I want to make sure you understand. Early 2023, he warned of what was going to happen, and it did, October 7th. He said, quote, Hamas will conquer settlements, throw grenades into bunkers and shelters and cause a massacre. The local residents, you and me, must defend these communities because the army will not be there. In quote, he said, quote, we feel that everything is fine and that there's no threat. But the public is not told the powers are preparing. These are equipped and trained. They will cross the border and attack and occupy our settlements in the south. In quote, my friends, we're giving the same warning here. Are you ready?
0: And taking your calls on Crosstalk today. We're discussing COVID shots and uh, vaccination safety concerns. Low Fisher is our guest, NVIC.org. Their website, let's go right back to the lines. West Dallas, Wisconsin. Brad, you're on the air.
2: Hey, Brother Jim. Um, I came across some information about uh, mRNA being injected into food animals like pork and beef. And I was wondering, um, would that... Be able to survive the death of the animal, the freezing of the meat, the cooking of the meat, and going through our digestive Mm systems. Can it still do something to us after going through all of that?
1: Well, I know that the mRNA platform that they used for the mRNA COVID vaccine, the plan is is to use that platform. For new vaccines, for a whole host of new human vaccines and animal vaccines. Now, I haven't delved in, delved into the animal literature on mRNA vaccines. I've been, had my hands full with the human vaccine. but uh, I, you know, this is a these questions about what this mRNA platform uh, does it, in the in the body in terms of this uh, synthetic protein that they're trying to reprogram the cells to produce uh, the uh, synthetic spike protein. Uh, this platform has just not been, sh- it has not been proven safe in terms of the ability to cause autoimmune reactions. There is an epidemic of autoimmunity right now in our country. Mm-hmm. So many people are suffering with uh, immune-mediated neurological dysfunction and autoimmunity. And uh, we just don't know to the extent that this mRNA vaccine that over eighty percent of Americans have gotten. I mean, this is an incredible uptake of, a, of an experimental vaccine hmm. that that our whole country has uh, has has gotten. And there's we had an article in the Vaccine Reaction, which is the weekly journal newspaper we put out, which I encourage people to to, to sign up for. It, it's free. Um a study that's come out that said that you know there's like a twenty four percent spike in in doctor visits uh related to cognitive impairment issues in people twenty five years and older twenty five years and older really? in the first quarter of twenty twenty three compared to the same period in twenty twenty Okay. Most of the time, you see cognitive decline in 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 people over seventy five. We're now seeing cognitive decline, memory and concentration issues in young people. Why? Yeah. yeah. Why in the last three years? Why is that happening? Yeah.
2: This was presented as a a vaccine for us. They're just using the animal as a vehicle to get it to people who won't take the like take a jab or such. Mm-hmm. You know. And I was just wondering I don't wondering know how I don't would... know
1: that you know I, I, I can't answer that I'm not a, a scientist. Yeah. I just Do you,
2: uh, do you know if this type of thing is being uh, put into flu vaccines or any other vaccines, the mRNA thing?
1: Well, they are trying to develop vaccines using that mRNA platform. Yes, they they will be I'm sure you will be seeing flu vaccines and other vaccines, uh, human vaccines using the mRNA uh, platform. But, uh, again, this was, this was licensed under an emergency use authorization. Yeah. It was fast-tracked. They had tried for years to use mRNA vaccines. They were not able to do it. There were inflammation and autoimmunity issues. But when this COVID uh, pandemic was declared, they fast-tracked that technology. And now, uh, you know, everyone, well, eight, more than 80% of Americans have gotten one.
4: Right. Thank gotten, you for the call.
1: Gotten it injected. So yeah,
0: let's go we're to going to have l-
1: to wait and see uh, what the chronic disease and disability outcome is in the, year, in the next decade.
0: Let's go to Leonard in West Virginia. Leonard, you're on the air. Uh, yes, my question
2: was what's really driving this assault on our bodies? Is it an ulterior motive or is it purely like a financial for the big pharmacy companies or what, what's really driving it?
1: Well, you know, that was a question that I asked too to myself as I was doing this research on who did what when uh, in terms of the censorship campaign. Uh, why are we not able to have the public conversation? And I really came back to, unfortunately, follow the money. Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's a couple of things this idea, and, and we've cooperated. Unfortunately, the public has put these doctors and scientists on a pedestal. For many, many years, or actually, I would say for 200 years since the advent of smallpox vaccine, somehow we, we, we bought the idea that vaccines were going to save the world from injury and death, hmm. from infectious diseases. Yeah. And we gave them a free license to do whatever they wanted to do in terms of creating products. There's been no oversight. There is no oversight by Congress or anyone else on the scientists and doctors who are pushing this idea that there should be no infection, that, that all infection should be prevented with the mass use of vaccines. Wow. We need to stand, we need to, you know, clear our heads and demand that they show proof that these products are safe and effective. Uh, and not just accept it and roll up our sleeves without asking questions. Yeah, of course, if you're prohibited from asking the questions because of censorship yep. campaigns, you're never going to hold them accountable.
0: Leonard, thanks for the call. Thomas in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, you're on the air. I was wondering what
2: your guest comments would be with respect to the Florida Surgeon General, Joseph Lepado calling for a halt to the messenger yeah. RNA COVID stocks.
0: Yeah, we did address that earlier, Thomas, here on the program of... Uh, and uh, grave concerns coming from South Dakota. So I'm not going to rehash that right now. Uh, You can go back and we'll uh, rebroadcast a number of stations here tonight. But let's, John and Prairie Duchene, you're on the air.
2: Yeah, I'm calling uh, about the the guy that called and said that he had taken the flu vaccines and he's never had the flu. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm 70 years old and I've never taken a flu vaccine or any other vaccine But I keep my immune system, I take things to keep my immune system strong, uh, vitamins, stuff like that. And uh, I I know I've been diagnosed with COVID twice. And the first time I never had any symptoms. And the second time I had just like a real
0: minor cold symptom. Yeah. Thank you. I'm out of time. Thank you, John. And uh, that really points out, Barbara, everybody is an individual in all of this as well.
1: For sure. It's true. I'm glad that he hasn't had problems. There are a lot of people who have had very serious problems with that virus.
0: NVIC.org is a website. NVIC.org. And uh, friends, sign up for their newsletter. Stay informed on critical matters. And Barbara, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much, Jim.
0: And friends, thank you so much for joining us here on Crosstalk, keeping you informed on critical issues. And, uh, Yeah, we've got to get the story out that the the rest of the social media world says is misinformation and disinformation. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you, folks. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America.